And you've got to just get really comfortable messing up. Like nobody is judging you. And if they are like, screw them. Okay. We get it. And it takes a lot of bravery and a lot of courage to show up online, especially in this climate. So be proud of yourself for that and just give yourself the space to mess up. Don't expect perfection. Just continue to progress. Hello, friends. I wish I could say good to see you, but I can't see you. So I hope you're having a good day. <laughs> we good to hear are... you in our ears. <laughs> But, but like, we're not hearing you. So I, it's, it's good to be back. It's good for you to hear us. We have a really fun guest today, but before we get into that, I'm so excited because one, by the time this podcast is going to go out, we have surpassed our one year anniversary oh. last year. March 4th, 2021, we announced that we were, we announced that there would be a call your girls. Which is so fun and so cool because we talked about it literally for like a year in advance. <laughs> so yeah. we these was like, things are such a work in progress. All about it. Me and Kat would just like talk a lot. And I mentioned before, like, oh, I'd love to have a podcast. And she's mentioned it. We were just like, well, we talk a lot. And like, we our dynamic is like good because we're very different as far as how we talk. Like we talk about this, like Kat is very talkative and smart. And I am just... <laughs> I'm unintelligent. <laughs> None of this is ever accurate at all. I'm just um, We bring fun things to the um, we hope. <laughs> yes, it's an inside joke. <laughs> Those um, of you who know, know. <laughs> if you know, you know. Uh-huh. Uh, but I'm very excited because this month, next week, the time you guys are hearing this episode, we are going to Charleston. Woo-hoo! We're so excited. I have never been to Charleston. Have we? You haven't either, right? No, I've been to Charlotte, not okay. Charleston. Oh my gosh. It's just in the same. No, is in the same state, different state. Charlotte's in Virginia. No. Am I crazy? Uh, It's in a can't. Charlottesville is in Virginia. Charlotte, South Carolina, Charlotte, North Carolina. (laughs) If anyone has a map. (laughs) We're clearly not good at geography, but it's fine. Um, but we're very excited. So we are going with our friend Kate and Josie. Josie's been on the podcast before. Maybe Kate will come on sometime. We're excited and I haven't seen Kat in like almost over, no, a little under a year. So we're going to get a bunch of content for you guys and have a really good time. And I'm so excited. If you have any recommendations for Charleston, we're looking for like a bomb photographer to help us with some brand content. Obviously all the restaurants, we are Mm -hmm. staying in the city for a few days. And then we are going to be staying like by the shore for a few days. Restaurants anywhere, anywhere around Charleston let us know dm call your girls instagram <laughs> yeah send the recommendations for charleston not for charlotte <laughs> <laughs> yeah sorry charlotte no sorry charlotte we'll be there next time literally when me and kelsey were planning this like a couple months ago i was making like a note and it says like restaurants for this day desserts i'm like oh my god kelsey they have gluten-free cones <laughs> i am about so happy about how much cat researches Love it. It's my favorite activity to make lists. I'm like, I don't know if that makes me um, problematic, but you know, I I make, do you make lists for like everything? I'll make lists like in the morning, even if it's a good day where I'm not doing like work stuff, I'll be like, eat, shower. (laughs) I do. (laughs) I like to have, I do the night before I try to make like an outline for the day. This is very like side note, but like, you know how people say like, like we have the same amount of hours as Beyonce in a day. Like we have the same amount of hours as cat in a day. Like for some reason, this bitch gets done so much shit in a day 
Like it takes me so long, for example, to come up with like questions for our guests because I'm just slow. And Kat like is like, oh, it took me like 20 minutes and she has like five pages. And I'm like, what the actual fuck? Listen, we all have our strengths. This is the only thing I'm good at. And then think about the things where you like make these really cute videos. And I'm like, Kelsey, I've been thinking about how to make this TikTok for 60 minutes. <laughs> Can you help me? We all we have, have our, our strengths. Things. Yeah, yes. right. Speaking of TikTok, our yes. guest is on TikTok. She's killing it. Yes, she is awesome. Our guest today is Bria Jones. If you guys don't follow Bria, follow her now, please. We have both been following her for years. So she's someone that like, since we started the podcast, we were like, we need to get her on as a guest. Like she just has such good energy. She is so, she's so funny. Like she's one of those people that you watch her stories, you watch her videos and you instantly get her, you get her personality, you get her energy and she's just awesome. Um, she is obviously an influencer. She's on Instagram. She's amassed a huge TikTok audience by just being herself and being very relatable. Um, one of the things that's been so cool with her personally to watch over time is she's really opened up her platform to sharing mental health topics, human rights topics, money topics. And she's just incredibly transparent, which I feel like you don't always get online. She definitely yeah. peels back the curtain. Yes. Um, if you like following me and Kat, you'll like love following Bria. She is a real ass bitch. <laughs> 10 out of fucking 10. Seriously. That's all we need to lead us in. We hope you guys enjoy the episode. Wow. What a great intro. That was good. All right, y'all welcome the beautiful Bria Jones to the podcast. Hello. Hello. Thanks for coming on. I'm so excited to talk to you today. Right before we popped on, I was just saying like, your life is so exciting right now. So I can't wait to just dive in (laughs) and hear all about it. Every possible life event that has happened except for a baby is like, I was was literally just about to be like, are you pregnant? But that's so inappropriate. (laughs) Literally, Bria, every time you do Q and A's, people are like, so the wedding, the house, AJ working. And I'm like, this girl has so much shit going on. So I'm very excited to hear about it. So just to start, we obviously follow you and follow you along because I know you, you know, you follow people, but you like follow along with certain people and we follow along with you, my dear. <laughs> Can you share a little bit on how you got into the industry and like how long have you been a content creator? I think it was like 2018 when I had my aha moment. This is what I want to do. I need to go ahead and start taking the steps. I had been in corporate America and I was working a job in like healthcare where I traveled a lot between hospitals. Really was not my fit and I was on the verge of getting fired. <laughs> That's a whole other TED talk. But I think it goes to show that, you know, when you're, it just isn't your strength, it isn't your strength. And that's not really a testament to who you are. You just need to find where you fit. And I knew that my brain was just way more creative. So I finally took the leap and I just started to make content for fun on the weekends because I still had a nine to five. And then eventually, I think a year later, I very prematurely was like, I'm going to do this full time. Even if I have to eat like a cup of noodles for the rest of my life, I just need to know that this could or could not happen. So that's, I took the full dive in like 2019 to be full-time. That is amazing. (laughs) (laughs) Knowing that you just like jumped in is very cool too. Cause I feel like when you're in like a creative industry, right. I feel like it's so hard and you have that full-time career on the side. Like I can just think of so many friends and I'm sure you guys can too, who are like, I want to jump in full-time, but I'm also like, 
you know, how do I leave the benefits and how do I leave the security of my job? Like, was that so hard for you to kind of make that shift because, you know, you had that security to then be doing it all on your own? It was. And at the same time, I realized that I was still really lucky and privileged to not have to worry about, you know, kids or anything. And I could be selfish and I could do this because if I fall on my ass, like it's my problem, it's not anyone else's problem. But for the most part, I was determined. I I convinced myself there's always a way to make money. And Mm -hmm. I just stuck with that. And I did like DoorDash. I did all these odd jobs on the side, freelancing, helping people learn social media at that time. Like I was hustling. So also like would not take no for an answer. So I always found that way to make myself find another dollar. You know what I mean? You were super persistent. I love hearing this about you too, because I feel like my story is very similar. Like I worked full time and I purpose, I purposely, like I say this and like, I don't ever recommend anyone do this, but like, I knew that I was taking a full-time job with the intention of eventually getting fired probably because all I was going to do during that full-time job was work on my own block. (laughs) That's how I was though too. Like I feel that I was, I went from that first corporate job I mentioned to a marketing job, which was much better. And I literally got pulled into a meeting and yeah, like I feel so bad, but they were like, you need to stop doing your own stuff on the side and focus on your work. And I'm like, okay. Mm-hmm. And then I was like, I quit. <laughs> so like, okay, well I'm out then. And same kind of the same thing. Like I was like, I'm oh, yeah. just going to do it. Like I'm going to make it happen. I bartended, I did yeah. freelance stuff. So I totally get that. Um, so I think it's cool. So when you originally got into the industry, so that was what 20, did you say 2019? Yeah, okay. 2018 started to shoot content and then 2019 went full time. Okay, got you. Um, whenever we got in the industry, I like my dates are so fucked up. I feel like in my head, like I don't even know what day it is. Whenever we, but whenever I at least got in the industry, it was at the time, like before the pandemic where everyone was like, still into the everything needs to be perfect mindset. Like if you want to get followers, you have to be perfect you can't have anything wrong with you. And like, you better do it right or else you're not going to be successful in this industry. Whenever you just jumped in, do you remember feeling any of that type of pressure? Yes. Oh man. I honestly look back at my previous, like the time before the pandemic and I'm very like uncomfortable with it now and cringy. I get, I hate that word, but I was so not myself. And it sucks that it took so much for me to feel like I could actually show up as myself. Yeah, it took literal trauma for me to be like pushed against a wall. Like I have nothing else to give but myself right now. So take it or leave it. I wish I had the courage to do that before, but it was a part of my journey. You know, I can't regret anything that happened before then. I still learned so much through that time But now looking back, it makes a lot of sense why everything felt so forced for me during that time, because I'm not perfect. (laughs) That is so unrealistic. And I, that's the only thing I had seen, you know, Instagram is for the aesthetics. And when that was never my platform, that's why when TikTok came around, I 
soared, gained like 300,000 or 200,000 followers in less than a year on that platform the first few months because I was like, man, I have space to be me. And also like my friends weren't on there yet. So I was like, oh, I can really like mess around on this. <laughs> but I had put myself in this hole on Instagram where it was like, you're either this or you don't do it. And it's still hard for me to get on Instagram and feel like I can be myself today. Um, so yeah, I, I'm, I'm really grateful for that transition, but I do remember that and it's not my best memories <laughs> in my journey. We've all been there. And, but dude, TikTok, we talk about it all the time. Like TikTok's the shit. I feel like it really helped all of us kind of, I don't know, like let loose a little bit. Yeah. Yeah, Because you can't, you can't curate a video like you can a photo. Absolutely. So much more storytelling and TikTok doesn't really celebrate perfection like Instagram did or does Mm -hmm. still kind of to this day. And I think, you know, you find so much comfort in relating to people on TikTok and that's, that's the factor people want. Yeah, I agree. And the, when the things you see viral on TikTok, right? Like, I'm sure you guys feel like this, like when I'll scroll down my feed and the things that I see like taking off are the things that are just like funny and stupid and someone dressed like shit and like you, you look like shit and it's so nice, right? I'm always like, hit it with that. Like, because on Instagram, it really is different. It's like, oh, this is my perfect home. And like, you know, if I have a sock out of place, like, I don't know. I just think TikTok is just a really nice breath of fresh air. In it that really way. is. I, I fully agree. And like, you know, I, I feel like you just have more space to show up as who you are. And it's funny you say that because I'll spend so much time like strategizing a TikTok that I think is like definitely a moneymaker. Uh-huh. And then I'll just literally like whip out my phone and do the dumbest shit. And that goes viral. And, and I will literally spend so much of my creative energy on something. And it's like two likes. <laughs> they, they just want you to show up. So I always tell people less is more. And once you understand it, you really understand it. But even to this day, sometimes I catch myself and I'm like, Rib, too much planning, too much planning. (laughs) Just, just pull out the phone and go. Yeah, for real. You're on YouTube. Have you always been on YouTube? Is that where you started? No, YouTube is actually more of the newer side for me. So I would say I started to take YouTube seriously, like last year. But I had my YouTube probably since I've had my Instagram. I just didn't really post on it yeah. much. Um, so I'm still trying to figure out that platform. It's kind of difficult. But Girl, slowly growing. I'm literally in the same boat. Like I started taking YouTube seriously in October of last year. Mm-hmm. And it's, it's, it's hard. It is so it's much work. It's really saturated. I know some YouTubers that were on it like 10 years ago. Of course, they're like mega stars now. But that says a lot. 10 years to get to where they are now. So you really have to be committed to it. Yeah, for sure. I brought it up because I heard that TikTok is almost, so they extended their, so originally they brought out the videos, 15 seconds, and then they extended it to the one minute and then 30 minutes, 30 minutes for three minutes. (laughs) That would be fun. Um, (laughs) No, but I heard, or I read an article somewhere, I don't remember, but it said that like TikTok's idea is to like take over what YouTube is doing and to be more of like a long video platform, which I thought was really interesting. That is interesting. I wonder. So I just wanted to bring it up if you guys heard about it. 
I did catch a quick snippet of that. I think like a couple days ago. I think they're doing, I think they're going to beta like 10 minutes. Is that what it was? That's exactly what I saw. And I was like, damn, thinking about looking at your phone like that for like, are they going to flip it? You know what I mean? Like just holding your phone for 10 minutes, watching a video. It just seems interesting. I'm curious how, because like going from 15 seconds to 10 minutes is quite a A jump. jump. And I wonder how, like, I mean, my brain just like goes crazy thinking about these things. Cause like on an algorithm level, if you're measuring watch time, are you, is that going to be equated in the same way? Like I have so many questions. Yeah. I might have to read up to my contact. Like girl, yeah. tell me. This. <laughs> I think that's what the article said is it was like, TikTok is now prioritizing content that is watched all the way through mm, mm, okay. because they like the longer videos, which mm-hmm. I thought was interesting. So I need to make more three minute videos then. I've been like really pushing out these 15 seconders. Damn. I'm like, I, I've did like a couple three minute, but you can't repurpose them for Instagram because it's only a minute. on exactly. I know. They, don't, oh, they really need to like, take it easy on the creators. They don't think about us. They're just no. like sadness. Yeah. That we're like, can you give us a second, please? They're like, the harder it is for them to repurpose content, the better for us. So. Because we were just talking about this, though, you know how when you save a TikTok to repurpose on Instagram, it comes out looking like a piece of shit. Like it's so grainy. I'm like, they do that on purpose. They don't want us to use it on both platforms. They're evil. It's like, you cannot expect me to make original content across all these platforms. Every day. One little self. And and you're not going to pay me more. Like y'all got to pay me for that. Uh, (laughs) She's spot on. Uh, No, I completely agree. And you kind of brought us to what we wanted to like bring up with you next is the fact that the pandemic really put like the squeeze on people. Right. And it was kind of a reality check to feel like, oh, I don't have the ability to go out and like shoot all these pretty outfits. And like, I don't look good all the time. I'm literally quarantining in sweatpants. Um, I feel like you are just so good at weaving like mental health topics, human rights topics, even like money and income topics into your platform. Do you feel like that was like a shift that happened for you? Or did you, when you started your platform, were you always like, oh, I want to be able to share these things and be transparent or over time were you like, okay, this is me kind of like you were saying earlier? Yeah. I don't think I really had a clear vision of what I wanted to be online. And I think Mm -hmm. that's why I was like, I'll just, you know, I'll do fashion because that's what everyone's doing. And as I evolved as a person, especially through the pandemic, I really had to be honest because then I started to just be really unhappy with content creation. And it wasn't because of the creation. It was because I wasn't making content that I liked. And that was a really hard realization because I built a lot of followers on fashion And of course I knew once I decided to pivot that I might lose a lot, you know, depending on what people expected from me. And, but looking at the bigger picture, I thought that that was worth the risk. Like if I'm going to lose followers because I'm making content that makes me happy and actually brings value to people in a way that I perceive it, then so be it. You know, I, I trust that things are going to work themselves out and it has. And every now and then I'll get someone's like, I miss your old content. I'm like, well, I don't miss her. So that's one of us. And it's not about y'all. It's also about me too. What I hope moving forward is that people can look at me as Bria, this evolving person that doesn't have to be one thing at all because I'm not. And we're all so much more than just a niche. And I kind of like dread the word niche now 
because how, how do you niche a human? You know Mm -hmm. what I mean? So now I'm like, I hope people follow me because they just fuck with me. They just like you. Yeah, for sure. Completely. I hate the niche thing too. I do get like, okay, when you're starting out, Mm -hmm. I get it. Like it does make like the hashtags easier. It makes the searching easier, but like, Mm -hmm. especially on TikTok where like people aren't looking at your feed as a whole, they're Mm -hmm. looking at individual videos. So it's like, the niche thing doesn't really matter because somebody could get this one video about like your travels and be down and into with that. And then a random video about a new pair of pants, you know, someone will find that and be like, Oh, I like this girl. Yes. Yes. I think the niche needs to be more so focused on personality. I kind of had this talk with my agency because it was something that we had to kind of iron out how, cause I was so much like, can't be niche anymore. Mm-hmm. And, but from a brand perspective and a business perspective, I get it. Like we have to have a clear indication of what I can provide so that I can bring in money. So mm-hmm. I had to find this like middle ground. And basically what we decided is like, it's not much different, but it, we thought of it as pillars. When you think of Bria, what are my core values? And that was how we kind of built my business instead of focusing so much on a niche, if that makes sense. Definitely. I think that's a really good takeaway for people that are just starting to like to think of a bunch of different groups of things that maybe you're good at. And like, I think one thing that helps me like kind of random, but even when I started to get fed up with sharing certain like style stuff, not that it got boring, but like it, like you said, you feel like you're stuck in a niche. Then in my head, I was like, why do I like doing this though? Like, do I like sharing things other people are going to feel confident in, you know, is this helpful for them if they can't find like a specific size or a specific pair of pants? Like, is this making them feel better thinking about it in the way that it's like impacting the person? I'm sure that's something you think about, but that's something that always helps me. Yeah. And kind of starting that point, is always like my first question before creating content now is how can this be valuable to someone and what would they be searching to find this video? And then I create from there. That way it's like, okay, I can make content that I like, but also let's think how it can be helpful. So you're hitting all of your points, but you're still doing something that makes you happy. Yeah, for sure. And even like entertainment is helpful to people, you know, like I feel like we always forget that. Like, Sometimes the purpose doesn't need to be like swipe up. You know what I mean? It can be like, oh, I just really enjoyed laughing at her. Um, yeah, or like sharing a, a story time, just like being relatable. So people yeah. feel seen like yeah. there's so many ways you can add value and it doesn't have to be through a product. It could just be through your life and your experiences. And that's why I love YouTube so much because I get to showcase to that so much more. YouTube is probably my favorite platform and I'm kind of mad I slept on it for so long. Because I feel like people just appreciate witnessing your journey. And like, I get these messages where they're like, oh, your video. And I'll be like, it was just a vlog where I was going somewhere. But they're like, no, the way you showed this behind the scenes, like that really helps me with my content creation. You don't even realize the stuff people pick out that like really helps them. So it's cool. I love that. So whenever you kind of, when was the point where you kind of realized like, I don't want to share all only fashion. I kind of hit a rock bottom last year where I literally didn't get out the bed for like maybe two months, three months. I don't know. It was bad. I was so unmotivated in a bad place. And also it was like snowing every day. And I was like, dear God, I need vitamin D just like a glimmer. of it. Uh-huh. 
but I realized something was not working. And that's when I was like, okay, I'm going to just take a break from content for a bit Mm -hmm. and try to figure out what else is going on with me. And I think a part, just a small piece of why I was really down during that time was because I was so unfulfilled with fashion and realizing I was going to have to make that pivot. And that was, I mean, it was uncomfortable. I was like, Mm -hmm. I don't know what's going to happen after this, but I can't, I just can't do this anymore for my sanity and for the respect of myself, I can't do this. And so, yeah, I just slowly started. I think I went from no content to just posting whatever I wanted. It wasn't niche. It wasn't anything. Just whenever I had like an urge, I would create because I was super depressed. So if I could have the energy, I would just do it. And then eventually that went into, it was like my wedding season-ish time. So I was more focused on like my, personal experiences. And then really at the start of this year is when I got really back into being more of a branded creator. Oh, well, thanks for sharing that. I'm really happy you're in a good place now, Um, but it just kind of shows that like, you know, this career is just like anything else. Like you have ups and downs. I feel like people really put influencing on like Mm -hmm. a pedestal, like Mm -hmm. the perfect job. Everyone wants Mm -hmm. to do it. And I mean, don't get me wrong. There's great money in it. It's amazing. We can, you know, be our own bosses and connect with so many people online, but there's so many sides, like what you just said that you have to deal with. Yeah. We're human. And you know, there's a lot of other issues. Mm -hmm. Actually just talked to someone about this because in in this like group chat, someone was talking about influencers having the perfect job and there weren't like any influencers commenting. And I was like, hi, like, I'm not trying to be that girl, but just hear me out. Like, you know, I have corporate experience. I have self-employed experience. Like I know both sides of the story and the issues are still there. They're just different, but are there the freedom that comes with this is honestly the best part. Yes. Um, me being depressed last year and being able to be in the bed for two months was a privilege. I'm so aware of that, but that was part of the risk too. But let's not forget the days where I was actually working like six jobs to be an influencer. So there's a lot to the story. Exactly. Do you think whenever you stopped sharing as much fashion, started sharing more of like the shit that you want, do you think it helped you like garner the audience that you like ideally like these people are here for me. Yeah, absolutely. And I knew that eventually it would happen, even if some people fell off, like, Mm -hmm. you know, you, you find, especially TikTok is so forgiving. Like their algorithm is you just, you send it out there and you'll find people (laughs) like, I love that for us. So TikTok was really great during that period. I didn't really see a necessary like fall off on that platform. It was really for me on Instagram where my fall off happened. YouTube, I wasn't really posting there, so I didn't lose anything Mm -hmm. there. So yeah, I think it brought in the crowd I wanted. And honestly, once I figured out this is what I want to do. I think that kind of radiated in some kind of way and brought in quicker growth. I just think that energy might've transmitted through, you know, the internet or something. I think people can tell too, right? Like when you're sharing something you really do feel passionate about, like, cause I feel like I can tell with other people, Instagram is so much more like cut and dry. Do you guys feel like that than TikTok? It's like, I feel like if you share one thing people don't like, they're like, I'm unfollowing you. (laughs) It's like, all right, bye. I really only, I mean, 
my opinion, I like Instagram for stories. Me and too. I'm like, the second TikTok gets stories, I'm gone. Like, oh, <laughs> I feel that. Like, I just told Kat the other day that, like, whenever I catch myself scrolling on Instagram, I say, like, oh, wait, like, I don't scroll on Instagram anymore. I scroll on TikTok. Like, I don't waste my time on here because they don't give me the shit I want. Like, I don't mm-hmm. want to see perfection anymore. Right. I want to see, like, the fun random shit that comes up on TikTok. It's like a game. You don't know what you're getting. We've been listening to anything. We've been saying for the longest <laughs> the whole time. time. And Zuckerberg is like, well, here's meta. <laughs> like nobody asked. Nobody it's like, asked. here's two minute reels. We're like, nope, not those. <laughs> nobody asked. <laughs> and it's still like, even the reels experience versus the TikTok experience is very interesting. It's like, well, first of all, you guys are putting like, TikToks that went viral six months ago on Reels. So like been there, done that, like Mm -hmm. I've seen it. But Mm -hmm. also there's this like sector of that perfectionism on Reels. And I'm like, it's cute, but it's it's so different and not what I'm, it makes my brain hurt. I don't know, just my Mm -hmm. personal. It's almost too curated. Yes. And that's what we're exactly trying to pull away from. Yes. So I'm like, you know, it's nice on the eyes. That's great, but- gotta add more substance. I mean, Mm -hmm. if you want longevity, you're gonna have to add substance. Something's gonna have to change. I agree with you guys to keep people on the platform because it seems like every single time we talk to anybody or like, I'm sure with you guys, just with friends too, everyone says the same things. So something's gonna have to adjust for sure. It is. And I mean, now now it's hitting their numbers. Their stock is absolutely. And I guess that's more Zuckerberg's language when it Mm -hmm. hits their pocket. So me- they'll actually care now that it's affecting their money. So we'll see. We will see. I agree with you. Um, (laughs) Moving on a little bit from our Instagram hate fest. Um, We want to touch a little bit about your experience as a black woman in the influencer industry. Can you share kind of just honestly a bit about your experience, a look into how it's been for you and kind of the struggles that you feel black creators and people of color kind of face compared to white creators in the industry? Yeah. I'm like, where do I start? I was gonna, I know it's, I know it's a loaded topic. (laughs) It is, it is loaded. And so I'll start with this, like, just like in real life, there's not this level playing field it translates online. Mm-hmm. And I think a lot of that has to do with still breaking barriers with representation and normalizing things a little bit more. There's something called algorithm bias. And that's on top of just an algorithm, something that creators of color still have to face too, in terms of understanding that you know, someone who could do the exact same thing as me, but maybe they're blonde, skinny, just like perfect. It'll just perform better on their end. And for obvious reasons that aren't fair, but obvious, right? So that's one thing that makes the job a little bit tougher as a creator of color. And sometimes, I mean, I will just want to bash my head into a wall, like, because you do, you put so much effort and love and thought into this industry. And, you know, sometimes it could just be copied or snatched or done by someone else. And they, they farted out and it like viral, you know, that's a hard pill to swallow. I think sharing part of sharing my journey is sharing my experience as a black woman And of course you have those people that completely disregard that. And that's also just annoying, but it is what it is. I mean, people 
trolls will be trolls. So <laughs> it's not going to shut me up, but it's still there. And I think, you know, it's more the reason why we have to continue to show up because people continue to act like these things don't exist because it's not happening to them. Yeah. It doesn't make it not real, you know? Mm-hmm. And um, I think more on the industry side of things, I am very lucky to have a team that understands these differences. And I have like management that's in my corner and understands where my concerns are with certain things. Again, like I have to look at certain brand deals and projects and look at these brands and be like, you know, around 2020, I got a lot of offers Mm -hmm. and it was bittersweet Mm because I also got a lot of new followers and that was bittersweet because it's like, well, I've been here, but you guys care now because you're covering your ass. Mm -hmm. And these brands were also doing the same thing where like, we need to get more black creators on our campaign, which was great from a business standpoint, but also kind of felt like I was just being tossed around and used and I had to make sure okay, am I the only like black girl on this campaign? Like I have to ask more questions because you don't want to be the token. My followers will call me out 100%. And sometimes, you know, it's worth passing the deal up because these brands have to be genuine about making change. So, I mean, you still see it today. Like we kind of see brands reverting back now that the chatter isn't as loud where they're still doing these influencer trips and everyone is white. Like, come on, not one person oh, yeah. pop this on yep. your team, mm-hmm. you know, do better. Yeah, it's, absolutely. At this point, it's just like, you're, you're, you're choosing. Yeah. I was just going to say, oh, girl, we see choice. it and we talk shit. All done. <laughs> uh, I mean, it is ridiculous. You know, it puts a lot of pressure on creators of color too. And I want to make sure that's understood. Like, Obviously we see it, but I wish I would have known sooner not to put so much pressure on myself to be the advocate of everything. I intentionally pulled back on talking about certain things and being that girl because it it is not my job to save the world. Mm -hmm. Also, some of my followers love them. Go to Google, do your own homework. Mm-hmm. Stop going to influencers for absolutely every piece of resource information. Like do the work too, because it puts you in the same place of not doing the work if you're relying on other people to give you the spark notes. Mm-hmm. So I had to make myself less of that person and, you know, also hold my followers accountable to be like, hey, I can give you information, but it's also on you. You know, we can all do the work. That's self-work too. And like you said, it is, it does put more pressure on you um, in general, just because then you're like, you know, you don't always want to have to be the person in every single situation to be like, am I the only creator of color on this trip? Am I the only, you know, person in this campaign? Like, I understand where you're coming from. Cause you're like, I just, I want them to be doing that. I don't want to always have to call it out and bring it forward. I want everyone to kind of be learning as a, as right. a group. <laughs> I'm sure right. It's incredibly it frustrating. So much harder. And what I think it really comes down to is the brands need to, to be aware. And it starts with the people they have on their team because it trickles down. And then the influencer is at the front of it all and they're taking the blame for it. Mm-hmm. So, you know, it's, it's one of those things where I'm just like, I can only do what I can at this point. And I've, I'm a little less, um, 
what's the word? I used to be really hard on myself to, to make sure that I was being that girl in every situation. But I, I just realized that's a big expectation. I can't. Yeah. I think it's awesome that you were able to set boundaries for yourself. And I'm really glad you shared the part, especially about like, you know, right when that shift happened and all the brands were like, okay, we really want to get more black creators on for, you know, a lot to save their own ass. I never, like, I could, I can't even imagine, you know, being approached by a brand that like maybe is your dream brand and you have to be like, okay, well, are they just reaching out to me because I'm black? Yeah. Yeah. And that's, that's a check you have to do, unfortunately. So I I'm really lucky into, I used to manage myself, um, in 2020. So that was also probably not great for my mental health. (laughs) You know, having management was like, the best thing I could do. Uh, they can handle those checks for me now. And I just yeah. say, you know, they give me the sparks note, spark notes and say, do you want to do this? Okay. We'll secure the bag. And that's so mm-hmm. much better. I can be the creative in this case. Thank you. That's <laughs> awesome. That team is very essential. Yes. Which also like leads us into our next kind of topic or question. There's no like hidden it's not hidden that there is a pay gap between you know creators of color and even just disabled creators like there's a big pay gap Mm -hmm. and I'm really glad you have management now to kind of help with that but have you ever had an instance that you can think of where like or when you realize like oh shit there's a pay gap because even aside from that I feel like this industry is very like gatekeeping like people don't talk about how much money they make absolutely it's hard for even just like anyone to be like, okay, like how much do I charge? You know? Mm-hmm. So is there any like experience you can think of that you kind of witnessed like the pay gap situation firsthand? I think I never, I knew that there was a pay gap issue, mm-hmm. but most of my understanding had to come from talking to friends. Like, right. Hey, do you, what do you charge? It was never directly done to me, but I definitely know friends that have experienced it. And I think as creators and influencers, like we have to hold each other accountable and keep having those conversations like, oh, you worked with this brand. How much did they pay you? Because that, I mean, they're going to, they're going to try to get over on you. And mm-hmm. part of the issue is we just didn't know. And there are resources and groups for black creators where now we talk about those things and we share, you know, what we're getting, we share our rates, we share certain brands we work with. We're super, super transparent. And I think that has really helped to somewhat close that gap. But yeah, it's on us. Like Mm -hmm. we have to really hold each other accountable because the brands, if they can, they'll probably get over us. Oh, for sure. Absolutely. (laughs) I think like as a white creator, like it's also important that we say something like, right. You know, like even I don't know the one example I can think of, like I've worked with the brand for some time and, um, they had, you know, different, different, um, models of like color, but nobody was, nobody was above a size four. And I was Mm -hmm. like, okay, you work with me for six months. Mm -hmm. You sell sizes, large and extra large. Why the Mm -hmm. fuck is there nobody on your website that is a size larger, extra large? Like I'm not partnering with you anymore unless you bring someone on and guess what happened? They brought somebody on like and the brand was so thankful that actually like we as a creator or me as a creator was willing to like be honest with them and be like a team member instead of just like 
taking a paycheck. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. And that's amazing because a lot of people wouldn't do that. They would just say, oh, let, let me get my money and move forward. But that doesn't make this industry better. And we want this industry to be a good industry to be in and not like a shady one. And so it requires all of us to do that bit of work. And even if it's just a few of us, we're still making that impact. I mean, if they really want to work with some of the best creators in this industry, the best creators, in my opinion, care about those things. Absolutely. So you have to get on their level. <laughs> you have. Yeah, I agree. I think whenever you're, especially it's nice that we've been in the industry for some time. So we kind of like understand the business aspect, mm-hmm. but I think when people are first starting, they're just so thankful. Like, Oh my God, someone's offering yes. me money. Like I just, I, I work for them. I do whatever they tell me. And that's not the case. It's a partnership. Like, right. And you're allowed to have an opinion. I always feel like that with campaigns too. Like, and I also just feel like, which I'm sure you guys do too, having an equal playing field for everybody is a win for everybody. So I feel like, like, it's funny the way people like want, you know, I'm going to do better than this, or I'm not going to tell somebody what I made because there's enough for all of us. There's enough to go around, right? Like this mm -hmm. industry is only growing financially. So I mean, and that, that is like, I'm really big on like energy and abundance mindset. Like if you have that mindset, oh my gosh, this is going to take away from my bag, then honey, like you're going to live that life of scarcity. But Mm -hmm. if you think bigger and understand that there's so much for you, your girls and everyone else in between, you'll start to see that reflect in your life. Like it's not going to affect your bag. Love that. I completely Um, agree. (laughs) Okay. Switching topics a little bit to your life, your really exciting life. So we saw you just got married, you just moved and you hired your husband to work for you. So let's, okay, let's unpack this first. Let's start with the wedding because I'm engaged and I've been for a while because I'm lazy as fuck and I just didn't want to plan a wedding, (laughs) but we're doing it now. We're doing it. Um, and whenever I first started, I struggled, I really struggled with the fact that like, I, okay, I'm my business, but like, I also like am not my business. You know what I mean? So Mm -hmm. it's like, okay, how much of the wedding do I plan on sharing? And like, how much of the wedding do I want to reach out to like, partner on because it's such a fine line. So I would love to hear just like your strategy on that and what you decided to do and like what you decided to share. Yeah. That's really funny you say that. Cause I feel like when I got engaged, it was actually pre pandemic and I was still like, Oh, partner with everybody. And I realized <laughs> that is probably the worst thing I could do, especially if I want to enjoy my wedding. Right. Um, And so I took on a few partnerships for my wedding. Um, If it was like a gifting or something, I would make sure that it was super casual. Like really, I went out of my way for stuff for like my bridesmaids and like my bachelorette. That's the stuff where I really hustled for it because I wanted them to have a really good time. But when it came down to like stuff for my day specifically, um, I got like a little bit of discounts here and there, but I didn't take on any full partnership except for my ceremony dress, which I knew there would organically be a lot of content on because I didn't want to have to mentally remember, Mm -hmm. do this, get that picture, do that. And thank God I had amazing photographers who I sat down with and like gave them the heads up on any partnerships that I had to have. But I can't remember off the top of my head. I think you can count the legit partnerships on one hand. And it was my ceremony dress um, the wedding band. Um, I'm trying to think 
honestly, it wasn't a lot. Mm -hmm. And and that was for my own sanity. Like I would rather just pay the money than to have the expectations. Oh, and our venue gave us a discount too, because we were partners with not. Mm -hmm. So we got, um, basically like the ceremony time for free and then paid the reception. So just little discounts here and there, but not like people probably think it was where it's like, Oh, you should probably not pay for anything. No, honey. It all came out of my pockets. Like, (laughs) and that's the thing is a lot of um, creators who I talk to who have gotten married and been through this, they do say like, it's, it's not worth it. Like you want to have your special day the way you want to have it. And you don't want to follow someone else's terms yes. just because you're partnering with them. Yeah. But then at, again, like you mentioned your dress, you're going to be covering it so much. Anyways, you know, everyone's going to be in your DMS asking what, where, what's the designer, where'd you get it? Yeah. So it's like, okay, it, this coverage is going to be so organic and I'm going to be sharing it anyways. So why mm-hmm. don't partner? So it's just like in, I don't know, it's just a topic that like, I'd never thought I would even have to deal with. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But I think if you go with that rule, honestly, you'll be safe. Like if you know, there's something that's going to get a lot of pictures, that's fine to like partner on. You won't have to think about it. And then that's something you can come back to just make sure like with the brands, they give you like some time because some brands were like, knocking on my door during my honeymoon like we need the pictures I'm like listen I'm not even back um can I have a moment so I kind of setting boundaries like I would like 60 to 90 days or whatever you need to get that content to them for sure. I think it's probably hard for you guys or anybody who is in the industry and getting married at the same time. It's tough too. Cause like people already are asking you a million questions, right? It's like, I'm sure with your batch, I remember it was like, so cute. Everyone's like, share the details, share this, share that. And you're like, some things I don't need to share every little piece of it, but you're also like, if it's helpful to your audience, just seems like a really fine, hard line. Yeah. And I wish like, maybe I had thought this through earlier, but if you can have an assistant or like someone helping you during that time so that you can still answer those questions, that's also a great idea. Cause I know it's like you build this community of people and you genuinely want them to be there for the ride. And that's how I felt. But when it came down to it, I felt so stretched. And I was like, I'm not going to compromise being present to like keep Mm -hmm. the world up. And, you know, I can still catch them up later, but yeah, there's that need or not want to have them there for every step. So you just have to figure out like what works for you. Mm -hmm. What was your favorite part of your wedding? Ooh, you have just one. Or like moment. There's so many TikTok like tips that I've been saving, like some random shit that's like walk walk away from your ceremony or walk away from the reception when no one knows and just take it in. Yeah, it's very cute. I would say one of my favorite moments. I mean, the reception was so fun. We really were like lit. Um, but I really liked when we got to have dinner, just AJ and I, after um, the ceremony, it was just nice to like decompress for a Mm -hmm. second. And I'm very introverted more than people would ever know. So I had actually strategically planned certain moments where I would be able to just collect myself because it was really overwhelming. I hadn't seen most of these people in two years pre-pandemic. And as much as I love them, it was like, I had a lot of social anxiety too. Oh, yeah. So I just needed 
five minutes here, you know, recharge here and having dinner, just us two, where we could Mm -hmm. eat, actually get a full meal in, um, was really, really important and really smart because if you eat downstairs with everyone, they are going to come up to you and hug you and talk to you and you are not going to (laughs) eat. So wait, so you ate like in a different room? I'm so intrigued. (laughs) Yeah. So basically how we did it was while everyone sat down, went up, our venue had like two floors. Mm -hmm. So we went into the bridal suite while our party was getting in line to get food, like buffet style. So while they're doing that, we're just eating our dinner. And then once we were done, we came down, we had already eaten, everyone did their toast and everything. And then we danced and partied. So it was just like, maybe it was like 20, 30 minutes. It wasn't very long, but we just snuck away during that time. Oh, I love that. So So you you didn't have like a sweetheart table or anything. You were just like, we're going to sit on the couch. (laughs) We did have a sweetheart table. We just didn't eat there. Um, And it's actually a lot of couples do that just to make sure like you get that one meal in for the day. Because you will definitely be tired and hungry and ready to chow down. And our food was literally so good. I would have been so mad if we did not get to actually eat it. So that was really important to me. And our wedding planner was like on it. She brought us every single thing, got us all the drinks we wanted. And we were just happy as could be. But it was nice because we, AJ and I, that was our first time talking as husband and wife too. Yeah. So it was like a nice Yeah. Oh, I love that. That's a tip I never heard. Okay. Um, Before we move on, what is something you would have done differently, if anything, for your wedding? Hmm. It was beautiful, by the way. Like you looked gorgeous. Thank you. Your photo is insane. (laughs) I think I love that you like have to think. That means that like I really do because I I couldn't I couldn't have asked for it to be. any any different like honestly I I did mess up on like the linens I forgot to <laughs> the vendor and our wedding planner was amazing so if I had to do one thing I would have made sure about the linens um the the curtains like at the ceremony like those weren't booked and I thought they came with the venue so I mm-hmm. I fudged up but we had a hero save the day shout out Brennan. Um, so that was the only thing I missed and I would have changed that because that caused a little bit of chaos. <laughs> Feel that. Isn't it funny? The things that you remember, like even just talking with friends, like they'll be like, Oh my God, I forgot this. And it's, it's something that's in your head. You're like, shit, I can't believe I forgot that, but nobody would probably yeah. ever notice. Yeah. And I think, okay, well, here's what I would do actually. Um, as a whole, I would, have checked on all the vendors like 15 days out, even though that's not my job, Mm -hmm. but there were a few errors with our vendors. And then I would have probably caught the linen thing on my end, but um, there were just a few errors where I wish I would have like confirmed this is what's happening. Then again, that's like the type A control freak in me. It's like, maybe those things still would have been messed up, you know, and you don't notice them. Like I felt terrible because um, our food vendor was amazing, but they forgot all of the vegan food <laughs> and we had a lot of vegan people. So <laughs> I that's was like, gone. fuck, that's me. <laughs> this happened at my friends too. She was like, I'm sorry. I was like, no, it's okay. I felt so bad. And of course, everyone's like you, they were like, so chill about it. It was I'm so fun. Like, and I didn't know, nobody told me because they knew I'd probably cry. 
but I saw AJ come in the bridal suite and like look really stressed and was like whispering to the planner and then she bolted out of the room and I was like what did he what did he just say and I'm asking the photographer I go what did he just say to her and they're like I don't know nobody would snitch nobody would snitch and I'm like no like you heard him what did he say I'm asking everybody in the room nobody would tell me and it wasn't until the next day that they told me you got good (laughs) people I love because at the end of the day right like who cares and like you would have felt bad for no reason you know like I'm so glad you know, you like, people. what was I going to do? Go to Taco exactly. Bell for everybody? No, I can't help the situation yeah. anyway. So it was right. just better that I didn't know. It oh, really was. So. If, you have a, if you have one rule on your wedding day, it should be if something goes wrong, you shouldn't know. I and agree. Everybody around you, your bridesmaids, your Pick it up. planner, that is the one rule. Yeah, that's why I solely hired a planner because I have so much anxiety. Like, I just, please, just leave me alone. <laughs> Oh my god, it's crazy! Idea. Can you share your experience with your dad (laughs) at the wedding? Oh my gosh, he's like honestly, my dad should be my brand at this point. Um, I love him. him. He was the life of the party. I'm not even kidding. (laughs) But so my dad has like a a rapper past. This man has lived nine lives. Like he's also been a pastor. So like you do the math. I don't know, but. I thought it would be funny if during our daddy-daughter dance, um, if we like switched the music to one of his old rap songs and I didn't tell him. So a lot of people were in on it, like in the audience, because I wanted some people to get it, you know? (laughs) So we started out with like that one song, isn't she lovely, like for maybe a minute and a half. And then the DJ switched it to his track and he was like so caught off guard, but knowing him, he's also like a showman. So he just went and got the microphone and started rapping and there's a TikTok if you want to see it, it's, it's somewhere. Um, but yeah, that was, that's actually probably one of my favorite moments. Now that I'm saying that out loud, that was so funny. And I literally knew that I was going to do that when I was like 14 years old. So that was like something I've wanted to do for the longest time. Oh, I love that. I didn't see that TikTok. I need to find it. And we'll put it in the show notes for you guys so you can watch yeah, it. Yeah, if you go to my um, TikTok, I have like a wedding playlist. That's It's probably easier to find that way. Perfect. But yeah, it's um, him doing his thing. It is pure joy, that video. When I saw it, I was like, oh my God, I need her dad to adopt me. <laughs> he was like, it was his wedding. <laughs> I love that. Okay, so after you got married, you moved to Dallas, which is where you are now. You're originally from Dallas, correct? Yes, I'm a boomerang. Okay, why did you move? Can you take us through that? Yeah, so when I graduated in 2012, I was very much so like, you know, angsty, get me out of here. Like, I don't want to be, I don't want to be anywhere where I know people, you know. Mm -hmm. So I shot myself all the way to Mizzou and that was a little too far. Kalamazoo. (laughs) What? Kalamazoo. Mizzou, like University of Missouri. Oh, I'm like, wait, is that a nickname for Kalamazoo? <laughs> no, I forget. So it's, it's a Midwest school. Okay. Um, okay. Tigers. Um, so yeah, I went there for journalism mm-hmm. initially mm-hmm. and it was a little too far. Also had some other personal issues going on where I needed a little more support. So I backed it up a little bit, went to Arkansas. Okay. Woo pig. And that was more of a it was a great experience but it was a culture shock for sure um I didn't realize 
I'm from Dallas, Texas, and I know Southern people, but I have never heard the thickest Southern accents until I went to Arkansas. And so I literally thought the first person I met, I thought that they were mocking me because they were talking so Southern. And I was like, why are you doing that? But that was actually how they all talk. So I learned very quickly. It was not mockery. Mm -hmm. Um, But yeah, I went to Arkansas and then I was still dead set on like, I am not going to Dallas. I want nothing to do with Dallas. And I immediately got a job in Kansas city. Mm -hmm. That's how I ended up there and did the whole corporate thing for, you know, whatever, two, three years. And then that's when I completely switched. Um, AJ and I knew that we really wanted to be near one of our families at some point, especially before deciding to have kids, which isn't like necessarily close, Mm -hmm. but I mean, looking at the two options we had, um, AJ's family is like two hours outside of Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania and very, very small town. And then obviously Dallas is where my family is and there's just a lot more going on. So work-wise, this made more sense Mm -hmm. and um, it's easy to get here. So that's kind of how we landed on Dallas, but we were just crossing our fingers for an apartment after the wedding. And literally two weeks before the wedding, the apartment we wanted was available. And we're like, okay, so let's break this lease and get out. <laughs> oh yeah. Oh, good for you. Wait, where is he from in Pittsburgh? Cause I'm from Pittsburgh. Yeah. He's from Dubois. Do you know where that oh, is? Oh yeah. 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 Where are you from Pittsburgh, Pittsburgh? Yeah. I'm like 10 minutes outside the city. Um, okay. Oh, did you go to Slippery Rock too? Or is that? Yeah, your- I did go to Slippery Rock. Okay. What year did you graduate? 2016. Okay. So we graduated the same year. No, that's so funny. And like, I'm always wearing his slippery rock gear. Oh, I didn't realize he went to slippery rock. Yeah. Yeah, he did. And I don't know. I don't think he knew your boyfriend, but like way, way long ago, I saw like you post about slippery rock and I was like, wait, what? Someone knows this? (laughs) And it's like, the most random college name ever. Like we say Slippery Rock University here and people are like, what the fuck? (laughs) Even from being in Philly, like, like in Pennsylvania, obviously like Kelsey first told me where she went and I was like, where the fuck is Slippery Rock? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. I've been to the campus and everything. It's so fun. (laughs) But yeah, you, um, you wouldn't have as much fun, uh, being a content creator in Dubois. (laughs) So yeah, we just had to weigh it out. I'm like, Look. Dallas sounds awesome. It, it really is. And it's, it's fun. Cause like I lived here 10 years ago, but it is so different. So I still feel that novelty and that new girl, but it's also nice. Cause I feel like a sense of my roots here too. So it's a nice like mixture. I have more support here for sure. Like my mom and dad are literally 10 minutes away from me. God help me. But also it's been like really nice to have that support and a home cooked meal. And like this past weekend, I was having like a rough weekend. I just went there and vegged out on the couch for six hours and took all their food. I know. I love that. That's like the best situation as whenever you said, like you came back in Dallas did kind of you know, more restaurants and stuff popped up, but you still got the like, oh, I grew up here feel. Right. And I think same with like Nashville is like people are leaving LA, New York. They're going to Dallas, Austin, Nashville. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. They really are. And I, I was just talking to like some of my influencer friends here, like 
it's a nice little influencer hub and it's growing. So mm-hmm. I'm hoping like brands will do more out here. Cause you mm-hmm. always see like the stuff going on in LA and New York. I'm like, yep. we're not here guys. Like we're ready. Yeah. Right. I, yeah, agree. I need to visit Nashville though. That looks like a fun time. Yeah, girl. Come up. Uh, yeah. It is fun. It's fun. We've never been to Dallas. Oh yeah. You, you got to make it out to Dallas at some point. Yeah, for sure. So, okay. You move. And then shortly after you announced your move, you announced that your husband would be working for you. You were getting him out of corporate America <laughs> and he is now an employee. Um, so 99. <laughs> both, so both of me and Kat's partners are yes. like more so like they're not in corporate America. They're more so in the creative industry. So we can kind of relate that way. Mm-hmm. Like I'm home with Jamie all day, but like he does not work for me. Mm-hmm. So, which I can't even imagine that dynamic. So I would love to hear about it <laughs> yeah. and how the adjustment has been. <laughs> it's honestly been really smooth, smoother than I thought. I'm always the one that's a little more pessimistic about big stuff like this because I realize it could be like damaging to our relationship. Mm-hmm. So I've, I'm like, you know, we got to make sure we're doing this in a healthy way. I think the hardest part is like separating relationship and separating work. Right. And it's not really, I don't know, it's not necessarily possible because like I can't just take off my wife hat like you know what I'm saying but there have been times when I've had to really just be more of like that boss and it really makes me uncomfortable but I have to communicate the work what do we need to get done and when we're clocked in at like nine to four or whatever my job is to make sure like he's good and doing his thing but for for the most part he's really self-sufficient so like we'll both be doing our own things in different parts of the apartment. And Mm -hmm. I feel like that's kind of nice because I think if we had to breathe down each other's necks, we would be going crazy. So having that sense of individuality and he has like all the freedom in the world. He edits my YouTube videos. That's like his main um, responsibility. And so he pretty much can do whatever he wants and I just approve it. And if I have Mm -hmm. feedback, I give that to him, but he can take the reins. And so that's been kind of nice because he's developing his craft and it's still new to him, but he's doing great. But as a creative, I know having all those restrictions makes it like tedious and I want it to be fun because I feel like when he's having fun, that reflects in the work and it just, it makes it more enjoyable to watch. So it's honestly been great. And, you know, every now and then we have to get like really serious about certain things, but we understand that's what comes with this, you know? Mm-hmm. I love so that. so special to like be able to work together and to be able to like build your dream together. Cause at the end of the day, right? Like yeah. when you're working for someone, that was always my thing. When I was working for someone else, I felt like they didn't like feel my vision, if that makes sense. And they didn't like buy into it. The fact that you guys are married, you know what I mean? Like you have this life in mind already. I think that makes it so much cooler. And it probably makes you a better team because at the end of the day, you're like, we both want this. It's not just someone who's working for you. You know what I mean? 
Yeah. And that's a great point. Like we talk about that a lot too, like how much we put into this is going to be reflected in the rewards and the income and like the assets we get to have in the future. So he wants this just as bad as I do. Mm -hmm. And I get like, you know, I could hire someone else to do his job, but when you have that passion on a different level where it's like, we get what this affects in our personal life, it just makes things so much more enjoyable to work on. Cause we know like we get to read the benefits. Mm -hmm. And of course, like we'll probably need that external help, but I think it does add a layer of like excitement, knowing that you're, you're directly benefiting yourself too. Yes, yes, yes. I feel like that would be the best feeling to have like an assistant or someone working for you that like he's, he's all in because he is a part of you Mm -hmm. essentially. Like my, I had a really hard time when I first hired my assistant I've been with her for about two years and I just felt like I was bothering her all the time when I was asking her to do something like she doesn't care. Like what's going to make her like care about my business. You know I mean? Mm -hmm. I'm paying her, but like at the end of the day, like it's not her business. Mm -hmm. So it's like, yeah, I feel that. And that's kind of something that I think about too. Do you, do you have like a way you feel like you incentivize the relationship? Um, bonuses (laughs) bonuses <laughs> yeah no that's I'm, true I'm just really good to her um she's a virtual assistant so she's in Ohio right now I do need someone like physical because like mm-hmm. you know like even like unboxing this sounds ridiculous but like it takes me a while to go to my mailbox and get the packages and unbox everything and organize it and hang it up and steam it and like mm-hmm. just shit you don't think of but um we've made it work but I I can't even imagine like it would just feel so whole if I agree you know Jamie was my assistant but that's not happening <laughs> yeah and and it's not for everyone like I didn't really know that this would for sure ever happen you know yeah. what I'm saying mm-hmm. and in the future if he does his own thing that's cool too like there's no strings attached to this our relationship comes first. We can always bring someone else in. Like Mm -hmm. we can't jeopardize that. So that is always like our number one rule. But I think like, especially in the influencer industry, like yesterday I did a Q and a, and there were people DMing me like, Oh my God, I would love to work for you. I'm like, why? But (laughs) they, they really put, like you said, this industry on a pedestal and to be able to be close to someone that is just doing what they dream of like that is an incentive so having that in person like help too is probably going to be like a great privilege to some it definitely sounds like you guys are on like the perfect page and it sounds like you guys have really good communication which I feel like is just the root of not even just a relationship it's the root of like business and everything so I'm glad it's working out for you guys thank you thank you yeah we're very lucky and fortunate to be in this position for sure Mm -hmm. That's so cool. Um, I know that we have a lot of people that listen to us that are either micro influencers or they're interested in getting started to kind of wrap us up. Can you share something that you had to learn in the influencer industry that you wish you knew in the beginning? And then just maybe any tips to someone who's starting out. I wish I knew more in the beginning to really figure out like who Bria was and what Bria wanted to do. I really was so absorbed in what was trendy and cool. Mm-hmm. And you really got to take that, you know, that those lenses off and just be yourself. You'll see so much. And people always say be yourself, but I'm like, 
how do you do that? You know, it's really hard. Right. It's hard to be yourself, especially when people are sending you hate comments. So <laughs> yeah. I, I get it. it's like a process of finding yourself. And so I would say to at least give yourself that space to like figure that out. And it's going to take a minute maybe. So that's okay. Um, but yeah, other tips wise, I would also just say like, not nothing is better experience than experience. And I feel like a lot of people who are starting often focus on how do I start? How do I start? Like, what do I do to start when really we all like can probably relate to just <laughs> starting and like failing over and over again with trial and error. Right. And you've got to just get really comfortable messing up. Like nobody is judging you. And if they are like, screw them. Okay. We get it. And it takes a lot of bravery and a lot of courage to show up online, especially in this climate. So be proud of yourself for that and just give yourself the space to mess up. Don't expect perfection. Just continue to progress. Love that. So good. <laughs> well, thank you so much for that, Bria. Um, before we let you go, pimp yourself out a little. Tell us where we can find you. Yes, I'm Hey Bria Jones across pretty much every platform, Instagram, okay. TikTok, YouTube. I'm even on Snapchat every now and then. So yeah, come hit me up, send me a DM, let me know you listened. And yeah, you can find me pretty much on every platform. Yay. Love that. Thanks Bria. for coming on, Bria. Absolutely. Thank you guys. Thanks. Okay, love Bria even more. So there's that. Let's make a trip to Dallas. Big fan of Bria. I'm like the Bria fan. Hey, Kat, where's Dallas at? Okay. <laughs> Dallas is in Texas. We know this. This is the geography that we understand. <laughs> Yay. She did it. Uh, that's like when she said Mizzou and you were like, Kalamazoo? <laughs> she was like, um, no. no. She's, She's like, like wait, what? Where's Kalamazoo? No, no, no. Arkansas? We are not, um, we're not geography majors, but we hope you guys enjoyed listening to Bria. She's just a really fun follow, honestly. And I think she keeps you on your toes with important topics, funny topics. She's also sweet and beautiful and just like has great clothes. So great yeah, you just like, around. you feel like she's your friend and that's the type of people I want on my feed is like people I that I, that make me feel fucking good. Like after talking to her, not going to lie, like I had a really hard day yesterday and after talking to her, like it just really helped like boost the mood and the energy. So I completely hope agree. you guys enjoyed the episode. Yeah, hope you guys liked it. Yeah, send us your Charleston recommendations. We need those. Very important. Not Thank Charlotte. You so much. Not Charlotte. Charleston, please. We would have, I mean, if you want to send Charlotte, we'll make a trip in the future, but you know. <laughs> Charlotte, Virginia. Charleston is the one that we are currently, currently happening on. So hopefully we'll be able to record an episode there for you guys and have some fun content together. But as always, thank you for listening. We will be in your ears again next week. And if you ever need anything, do not forget to call you girl.